for the 26th time, that catchy theme song signifies the start of the podcast known as the Steam Room. It's presented by Tractor Supply Company, Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. 26 episodes now. And wow, they just keep getting better and better, I think, Chuckster. Uh, We got a couple of guests folks are going to enjoy today. Stan Van Gundy and Draymond Green. Ernie, I got to tell you something, man. When we first started this thing, I had no idea how much fun it was going to be. I'm not going to lie. But shout out to everybody who works on the show, especially Cap. I mean, he's been getting great guests every week. And I, I have a blast doing this every week. So I'm glad I got in. Yeah, it's been uh, oh, it's been a lot of fun uh, week in and week out. And the way we start every episode of The Steam Room, which is presented by Tractor Supply Company, uh, is Chuck's favorite phrase, and that's first of all. First of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hunting nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. Well, Ernie, I, I'm going to do it very simple today. I appreciate that. I'm clapping for the NBA, Adam Silver, and the players. I want to tell them how proud of them I am. The games have been awesome. Uh, the, the, the level of competition has been amazing. I'm just so proud of the players for going out there, busting their hump. I think they realize, number one, that we're in the middle of a, a pandemic, so they quit complaining about the food. They realize that we're the luckiest people in the world to get to play a stupid game like basketball. Uh, and I know it's, we've never been through anything like this in our life, to be stuck. Uh, in a campus bubble, however you want to say it, for two to three months. And these guys all are following the protocol. We haven't had any positive tests. I mean, so I just want to tell them, man, thank you. And I'm not saying this from, from TNT's point of view. I'm saying this as an old basketball player. Just having these guys are res- just respecting the game. Because like I say, we're the luckiest people in the world to get to play a stupid game like basketball. And I'm just so proud of these guys for, the, for competing. Yeah, I, I was going to say this. You know what? A lot of times you have games on while you're doing something around the house or like I have it on in my in my home office while I'm working on stuff. I got my head down. And when you're listening, it's like you're listening to a regular game. It's not like there's any difference, you know, and, and then when you look up and I think the way they – the way they've shown the court and kind of the darkened background and, you know, you got some of the animation and that kind of thing, but it feels as you're watching kind of like a regular game. I know it's got to be different when you're on the floor and you know, you, you don't see any fans there and that the that the sound is, is piped in, but, but I just think the product being put out there by TNT, by ESPN, it's been uh it's been good to watch, man. Yeah, you know, I watched the I've watched probably five or six real whole games. And I'm like, man, because you know, we we wondered how, especially some of these games are starting early in the day. When these guys aren't used to playing games early in the day, I'm like, they're gonna be going through the motions. And I'm like, no, these guys are really playing. Mm-hmm. And I watched the Portland Houston game last night. Them guys were going at it. It was intense. 
I, I'm proud of the way the guys on the bench are acting. I mean, the guys on the bench are into the game. They're cheering. And I just want to take my hat off to Adam Silver and everybody associated because this thing isn't easy, man. Being in a place where you can't leave for extended periods of time and all you have to do, because like, no, in, in our normal life, Ernie, you go to practice, then you go home and do fun stuff. You play a game, then you go do fun stuff. You jump on it, you go to a different state. Because like when we played, we would look at, when we well, depending on what city we were going to, we said, let's look at the five best restaurants in that city, and we'd go to one. And, and it was great when you went to Sacramento, Seattle, uh, Portland, New York, uh, Orlando, every city. Houston's got great food. Chicago's got great food. Uh, but so now, but you like, we got to go back to the hotel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we got to go back to the hotel. And so, uh, but I'm proud of these guys, man, for hanging in there and bless them. And and kind of along with the lines that uh, that you're talking, and, and that's what we do here. We just, you know, we do a segment and then we do fun stuff. Special guest, special guest. <laughs> that away, there's the special guest alert. Um, as, as Charles notifies us that, yes, someone is strolling into the steam room and look at that towel. It has a Michigan State Spartan logo on there. Ah, oh, it's it's Draymond Green. And as we tell all of our guests, Draymond, please uh, keep the towel on. And uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for spending some time with us in the steam room. How are you? Absolutely, I'm I'm great, Ernie Chuck. Thanks for having me. Uh, really excited. Hey, we're excited too because uh, Friday and Saturday uh, you're going to be uh, filling in for Shaquille O'Neal on Inside the NBA. So Chuck and Kenny and I. Obviously, looking forward to that. And you've already had some experience in that studio with the arena, with Charles and and Kerry Champion and D Wade. And um, so, how's how's the TV business treating you, man? Uh, it's been great, um, you know. And like I said, thanks for having me. I'm I'm so excited about uh, Friday and Saturday. I had such a great time uh, when, last week when we were there for the arena. And I said to Chuck, I said, "Man, this is so much fun." Chuck said, man, this is boring. Wait till you come on, on, on inside the NBA. Now, that's when we have all the fun. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, you guys have done a great job over the years of building that show. And, you know, when we were out there, I asked Tara, I said, is this Studio J? Like, y'all, y'all have made Studio J a real thing. I was excited to go see the studio. <laughs> hey, you know, Dre, this is kind of weird because of the pandemic. You've had all this time, but just asking for the first time, I mean, you guys been in the finals four to five times. What's it like having nothing to do? Honestly, Chuck, for me, it's been great. Uh, you, you know, I've had a, a lot of fun spending time with my family. You know, we don't we don't get that time with our family uh, the, the way we have over the last four months. And so that's been amazing for me. I've gotten to know my fiance better. I've gotten to know my kids better, you know, and so that's been amazing to me. But from a basketball standpoint, I got to be honest with you. I don't necessarily miss playing basketball because it's been such a long run that my body could use the break. But what I miss is competing at the highest level. You know, so the playoff basketball, the finals, playing in the finals, I miss that, just being able to compete at the highest level against the best players in the world. And obviously, as you know, 
when you go to the finals, everybody's watching, including mm-hmm. the best basketball players in the world that's not in that game. Yeah. And so that's that's always the most fun time to me, and I miss that. Hey, in your opinion, Draymond, who's winning the bubble right now? I mean, as we speak, uh, got a few teams at two and one out of the West. You got Indiana three and zero, Toronto two and zero. Who's impressed you? Who's winning the uh, bubble? Well, well, Adam Silver is winning the bubble yeah. uh, with you know with, with what he's been able to pull off him and his team. You know, Michael Levine. I know he was extremely stressed out. A great friend, uh, just about trying to make this thing work. They're all winning the bubble, and and so are we because it's it's successful and as players. It allows us to get back to work. And so everyone who's involved in the NBA is winning the bubble. But from a team standpoint, I got to say the Toronto Raptors. I mean, they've come out. They're playing great basketball. They don't look like they've missed a beat. And, you know, I think they they beat the Lakers the other day. Beat the Heat. Yeah, beat the Heat. Like, those are two very good teams. One in which they'll probably play before before they can possibly get to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals. And one that they could possibly meet. And I know for us, we used to always speak about uh, sending a message to teams that we could possibly see in the playoffs or see soon down the road. So they've done that. Uh, you got to get those guys a lot of credit. You know, I I, I was going to talk about this. Uh, have you, because I've been totally shocked, I'm not going to lie, about the level of basketball that's being played. I thought there'd be some rust. I wasn't sure the guys were going to be into it. But have you been surprised? I've been pleasantly surprised how amazing the basketball's been. So here's the thing, Chuck. I agree with you 100%. I thought it would be extremely sloppy. I thought it would be like a pickup game. And guys are in there diving on the floor for loose balls, taking charge. I think Derek White took five charges in one game. Like, (laughs) you have guys really out there laying their bodies on the line. So I've been extremely surprised. What I will say in watching the games is, you can see that guys aren't in tip-top shape. Yeah. And that's just by watching, you know, if you know the defensive rotations in which you do. Um, you see a guy not make a rotation, but you can see that he's looking at it. Body's just not quite allowing them to get there. And so I think these eight games will pay dividends for guys moving into the playoffs. But, man, they're playing some incredible basketball. I don't think I've seen a bad game yet. I'm going to get you ready for the TNT gig right now. Give me a sleeper team in the East. And the West. Let me make one of my ridiculous Chuck's bold predictions. <laughs> yeah, this will be something that I'll write down on a post-it note, and, and everyone will see it from here to eternity. Houston. You know, Houston, they got Russ, they got James, who obviously can both go for 40 or 50 on any given night. They got a bunch of shooters, and they're going to create problems for people because they're playing this switching defense. And the first thing that people try to do, we saw it the other day with the Bucks. you try to pound the ball inside. You're not just going to run James Harden over on the on on the post. You're not just going to run PJ Tucker over. And so, you know, I think a lot of teams will make that mistake. And Houston can be really sneaky. And out of the East, I think uh, Miami is a sneaky team out of the East. They play really hard. They got guys that's tied in together. They got my guy Andre over there, who we know <laughs> during the finals and playoffs is great. Uh, the only thing with the Heat is I think they they struggle at times to find consistent scoring. But I think there are sleeper teams. They got a lot of talent, a lot of pieces. You buying Indiana as a sleeper team, either of you? I'm not. Uh, they're, they're, they're without Sabonis. That's, that's a big loss for them. Yeah, and, and, and Ernie, I'm going to tell you something. When we talk about underrated players, uh, that boy Sabonis, 
to me, might be the most underrated player in the NBA. He's really good. I mean, he's going to get you double digits, rebounds, can do assists, and score. There's not many guys out there that they can help a team win three different ways. I mean, he is fantastic. And obviously, you know, Victor's not playing back-to-back games. You don't know. T.J. Warren's been fire, though, that's for sure. Yeah, but that, that yeah, he has been playing well. See that—that's the problem. That now he's becoming the second guy. If he was the third guy, they would get him three guys. Mm-hmm. Now they now they only got two guys. Same thing with uh, the Utah Jazz. I wrote them off as soon as Bogdanovich uh, got hurt. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, because you, you got to have more than two guys who can score. That's one of the big question marks about the Lakers. Yes, you know, I'm watching like. I know AD and LeBron going to do their thing. I'm not here who the third guy on the Lakers going to have to – like, I don't have no idea who the third guy on there going to be uh, when they need some scoring. They, AD took 28 shots the other day. LeBron took 16. I think the next closest guy was seven shot attempts. That's tough when you're playing in a, in a playoff series. I think for the Lakers, Deion Waiters is going to be the biggest key for them. He's the X factor. If Deion Waiters plays well – they need someone to be that third scorer. And I, it has to be Dion because your third scorer, more, more often than more times than not, has to be a guy who can put the ball on the floor and get his own shot. And so when you look at a Danny Green, um, a KCP, and those guys, they are great shooters. They really shoot the ball well and they are great defenders. But when you get the deeper you get into the playoffs, the the more you have to go into your bag. You, you know, they take the first round. It's okay, but in the second round, they take your top strength away and you got to go to your second strength. Then you get to the conference finals and both of those are gone. And so if, if, a, if you don't have guys that can create their own shot, a few of those guys, it, it get real tough, really tough. So r- right now, are you, Steph and Clay, getting ready for that second bubble right now? Second bubble? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> the, to- the Gus Macker toilet bowl? That's what you want us to go for? <laughs> Gus Macker. <laughs> Baby. Hey, seriously, listen, uh, who's going to be favorite? Uh, are the Atlanta Hawks or the Warriors going to be favorite in that second bubble? It won't be the Warriors. <laughs> I can guarantee you that one, Chuck. <laughs> I can guarantee you that one. And so, Trey Young and his guys, they can have it. Yeah, you, you know, I was when I heard them saying, uh, some of the other teams want to put together a second bubble. And me and Dre were joking, Ernie. I I, I asked him last week, I said, hey, when are you and Steph going to get to that second bubble? He said, hell no. No chance. <laughs> no chance. I mean, now at the end of the day, if if it came about and, you know, we had to go, I'm not going to opt out. You know, like, that. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. But, I am strongly against Adam Silver and anyone else in the league office starting a second bubble. I mean, look at the teams who is, you know, it, it will be, uh, it'll be Atlanta who, you know, they, they haven't been good lately. The Cavaliers. The Cavs. Detroit. Detroit. The Bulls. Like, no one wants to see these teams. And by the way, they don't want to see us and Stephen McClay ain't either. So <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Hey, tell me about the voting thing you were working on. We talked about on the arena last week. Uh, so um, more than a vote, uh, which is which is an uh, organization that LeBron and LeBron and Maverick Carter started, and it's it's pretty much addressing 
everything voting, voter suppression, um, you know, teaching people how to vote, because I think, or teaching people the different ways to vote. I think one of the issues, especially in the, in the black community, is, is the education. You know, we're not educated on the voting system. And like I said on the arena, Chuck, I'll be 100% honest. I didn't know the difference between the electoral, well, I knew that there was a difference in between the electoral college and the, popul- and the popular vote, but I just didn't understand how Al Gore, Hillary Clinton, you know, all these people that won the popular vote but then lost the election. So immediately I, my, my thinking was, well, if these people won the popular vote and they, they, they still didn't win the presidency, my vote is the popular vote. So my, what you're telling me is my vote doesn't matter. But yet you see when you're watching the election and my numbers could be off a little bit, maybe 267 or 280 or something like that, electoral college votes, and I could be way off. But it's something of that nature to win the election. And it never says, oh, well, something about the popular vote wins the election. And so I immediately turned to, my vote doesn't count. Why would I waste my time to go vote? They're not listening. It doesn't count. Such and such won the popular vote, and they didn't win the election. And so educating people on that, educating everyone on the local elections. I've never voted in a local election. But, you know, coming out of this pandemic, I've, you, you see the importance of the local authority, your, your mayor, your governor, you know, your sheriff, all these different local spaces that has or positions that has to be filled that we don't quite understand. And so really, I think the most important thing of more than the vote is to educate everyone. It's not just people in the black community, by the way. It's educating everyone on how you can vote and why you need to vote. You know, it, it was great when we had Stacey Abrams on because I had never filled out a census thing. And she was telling us that, like, the black community loses out on a trillion dollars because they don't decide to fill out the census. I mean, it was crazy the numbers she was throwing out there. And I had to go and dig back in the trash and find out my, and get my <laughs> census thing back out. Because I'm like, they know I'm alive because they keep taxing the hell out of me. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that and, and we we spoke on it immediately as soon as she got off we used to run from the census and, and when I was growing up I mean my grandmother lived up the street and if they hit her house first they would call us like hey the census people come and close the door right or we would call them like yo we see the census people right up the street close your door and yet like you said, we're losing trillions of dollars in our communities because we don't do that. Yeah. But once again, that goes back to the education. You didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. I don't think anyone else up there on our panel knew that no. information. And so that's, that's a lack of information in our community. And, you know, we're, we lack in so many resources. That is a huge reason why when you talk about losing trillions of dollars, yeah, that, that's, that's really big. And so, that, I think that goes back to the education as well. And our school systems aren't teaching that. So where do you find the knowledge? Hey, Draymond, as a guy who's not playing in the bubble, but who is like uh, a lot of fans just watching what's going on on the floor, there was concern by some players who said, yeah, if we continue to play, it's going to take away from the social injustice focus and that kind of thing. How have you perceived how the message is being put out? 
Uh, I think, you know, when you, when you look at it from, I, I know that was a concern with a lot of guys. That was never really a concern of mine, although I wasn't going to the bubble, but just as a player, I never once thought if we start back playing, we're going to take away from uh, the social justice push. Right. Because quite frankly, what, what does everyone say? Hey, you have a platform. You can use that platform to speak out. Well, what bigger platform than the NBA and games going on to speak out on what you believe in? I mean, everyone's watching the NBA games right now. MLB can't keep a game going right now. Football hasn't started. So you kind of have this window of where everyone is watching. And anything that you want to speak about, I think it's very well known that our commissioner isn't going to stop you from speaking on anything that you believe in and actually will support anything that our players support that's, that's right. And so, uh, you know, when you look at Black Lives Matter on the court and, you know, on T-shirts, everyone's still pushing it forward. And I, and I think that's important. Um, you know, I've, we've seen a ton of interviews of where guys wouldn't speak and they said justice for Breonna, Breonna Taylor. I think that's now changed. You know, you still have guys saying justice for Breonna Taylor, but they're answering questions now. And I think, uh, you know, guys are starting to find that balance. And, you know, Chuck spoke a lot about that. And, and you know, guys are really starting to find that balance. And it's great to see. I thought it would have been a catastrophe not to play because they would have been out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they get a chance to talk about what they want to talk about every day. People see the Black Lives Matter logos on buses. You see uh, somebody had an education reform, which is a big deal to me. Yeah. Uh, I like to see prison reform and police reform also on some jerseys. Uh, but listen, if these guys, I don't care how famous you are, reporters ain't going to follow you around if you're sitting at home. I mean, they got another, they got jobs to do. Or there's other stuff happening in the world. I thought it would have been a major mistake not to play. I'm glad these guys are playing. And like I say, man, I, we talked about a little bit earlier. I've watched a lot of basketball, and I got to take my hat off to these guys, man. Every, I, I don't think I've seen one really bad game. Yeah. Uh, the guys are competing. They look like they're hustling. Uh, I will admit, my 76 is first team since 1990 to give up 40 points in the fourth quarter, back-to-back games. <laughs> not a lot of defense going on in the bubble, but they're playing hard, and offense, our offense is rolling right now. Yeah, no, they're definitely playing hard. Hey, Draymond, thanks a lot for being with us. We have uh, we have another guest who's standing by in the steam room to, to join us here in just a moment. We appreciate the time you gave us. Look forward to seeing you on Friday night. Uh, inside the NBA in there uh, in Studio J, man. Can't wait. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it, too, so I can attack Chuck. <laughs> hey, 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 I got a cold word for you. 42. 42, we need that. <laughs> Draymond Green, our guest here in the state room. Thanks for having me. And when we come back, uh, Stan Van Gundy joining the steam room. Keep it right here. He got to keep his towel on, Ernie. Stan, please keep your towel on. Welcome back to the steam room. A special, special guest. <laughs> there it is, the, the special guest alarm from Charles Barkley. And this is an interesting towel. Don't you agree, Chuck? Sir, it has like I can see a Pistons logo and a and a Heat logo, and I see a Magic logo, and I think that's 
That's even a logo of the University of Vermont and Castleton State College on that, wow. on that towel being sported by Stan Van Gundy. Stan, the rule is uh, when you enter the steam room, uh, keep the towel on. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. And thanks for taking some time uh, from your schedule in the bubble. So how's life down there in Orlando as you call games on TNT these days? Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it's hard to complain here. You know, we're at a we're at a nice hotel and, you know, we go from here to the games. But but quite honestly, um, I don't think many of the Turner people are doing it, but it's it's legal from the league to head over to Disney Springs where they've got restaurants and entertainment. And so we're not in anywhere near as restrictive an area as uh, as the players and coaches are. Coach, I've been totally surprised about the level of basketball. These guys hadn't played in months and months and months. But I can say the guys look like they're busting their behind and they're competing. Have you been somewhat surprised at that so quickly? Yeah, very much so. And the level of conditioning. I've been very surprised. I thought we would, what we'd be watching right now would be exhibition level basketball. Um, until we got to the first round of the playoffs, but it's come around a lot quicker than I thought. Hey, Coach, you know, uh, Ernie makes me make bold predictions because he want to make me look like a fool on television. They no, on I, I want to I celebrate you. I don't want to make you look like a fool. <laughs> so you you want to celebrate me if I get it right? Yeah. I have. Hey, listen, first of all, I watched that game last night, and I've told Ernie this, and he put it on his posters note. If the Portland Trailblazers get in the playoffs, they're going to upset the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. Am I crazy? Well, now that's two different questions. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, Stan. That's two different questions. I would say they're not going to upset the Lakers, and you're definitely crazy. So those would be my two answers. But look, I did say this last night to Ian Eagle as we were leaving. If you're the Los Angeles Lakers, for sure the team you don't want to see in the first round is Portland because that's not going to be a walkover. And I think if you look at those other teams, New Orleans, Sac, Phoenix, even Memphis, especially without Jaron Jackson, Portland's clearly the best team now. Um, it's just the situation may make it tough for them to get in. But, you know, Portland's the best team of that group. And wouldn't have been in this spot had they had Nurkic and Zach Collins all year long. So I think they could make it interesting, but I just don't think they'll be ready to uh, to beat the Lakers within another two weeks here. Ernie, that, that sounds like a behind-the-back pass and he's agreeing with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sort of. So give, a, give us a sleeper team in the East and West. Yeah, you know, in the East it's hard because I'll admit, coming into the bubble – I was saying Philly. You know, they're a team we talked about early in the year. They have the talent level. You would think they should be able to contend with those top teams. Um, and I know things can change, but they just look very disjointed right now. You know, I've saw two of their scrimmages and then I've watched their last two games here, and I'm not liking what I see. So if I've got to go with a sleeper, I'll go with the Miami Heat. Like, you know those guys are going to compete and play at a high energy level. Um, I still have a tough time seeing anybody other than the top three teams in the East coming out, but they would be they would be my pick. And and in the West, 
Um, my pick's going to be Denver. It's hard to call the number three seed a sleeper, but I don't hear anybody talking about them. Um, you know, and I think if they can get healthy, which they haven't been, but if they can get Murray and Harris back, uh, Michael Porter's another weapon for them. We know how good Jokic is. Uh, they had the Jeremy Grant pickup. They've got great depth. Um, I think they could be a sleeper team. You know, uh, Coach, uh, there was a crime committed in the NBA this week, and Ernie has a vote, so he was part of the hijack. Can you please tell these guys, how in the world did Nick Nurse not win Coach of the Year? No disrespect to Billy or Boonhoser, but if Nick, don't tell me, no, please tell no, me you think. Wasn't that the, the Coaches Association? It award? was. It was the Coaches Association. That wasn't, that wasn't the NBA Coach of the Year. Well, they, they messed it up, too, then. They okay. messed it up, too. Because Nick Nurse should have been clear front-runner for Coach of the Year for what he did for Toronto this year. Well, and Ernie, you got to vote for Coach of the Year, correct? Yes, I do, and I voted for Nick Nurse, so hush, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, look, Nick Nurse did a great job, but he finished one vote behind those guys, so it was really a three three-person race, and – you know, Mike Budenholzer, two years in a row, best record in the league. And all of us, me included, so I'm not just, you know, getting on you guys, but but we all thought in Oklahoma City it was a rebuilding year. That That's what everybody talked yeah. about. And now, since the first three weeks of the season, they've played as well as anybody in the West. So, you know, to say that those guys shouldn't be close in consideration for Coach of the Year – um, I don't think he's right. I, I think there's a lot of guys who've done a good job, and I, I think that those guys deserved a lot of consideration. But you do agree with me that Nick Nurse should have won. That's what you're saying again. You backdoored <laughs> oh, me. Geez. No, that's not what uh. I said. That's not what <laughs> I said at all. Actually, if it was my choice, my vote would have gone to uh, – there's a lot of good people, but my vote would have gone to Billy Donovan. Okay, Chuck, you are so needy today. You're just, you agree with me, don't you? You agree. I'm right, aren't I? Just stop, man. Stop. Just let's have a conversation. So, so, so Stan, now that you're a TV guy, how much um, input and how much feedback are you getting from your brother? Uh, I mean, like, like when he, when he watches your your telecast on TNT, does he text you during the game, after the game? What's, what's going on? Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, he does. Uh, he does text me and, and, you know, he'll give me a few things here and there. And then down here in the bubble, we've been walking together every morning. So, so we'll talk about it there some, but, you know, I've solicited feedback from a lot of people early on. Mike Green gave me some feedback. Scooter uh, gives me feedback. I'll get notes from him. And then, but the best has been uh, Ian Eagle because I'm working with him. And Ian, after every game, especially when he rewatches the broadcast, he'll be real encouraging, but he'll also always give me a couple of things that I can do better. You know, I think the one thing, and, and Charles could vouch for this, the one thing about being in sports is that we're all used to getting a lot of criticism and we don't look at it as a bad thing. I mean, you know, you get criticism from coaches. Even when I was coaching, you get criticism from the media and you can use that feedback to get better. And so I've asked people to give me feedback and they've been, been very, very helpful. And if I keep getting that feedback and keep working at it and stay in it about 
20 or 25 years, so I'd be 80 or 85, I would have a chance to be decent. <laughs> hey, hey, so let me ask this about your brother. He is, you know, I've obviously, I've, he's been around the NBA the same amount of time as me, and I've watched him coach a lot and played against his teams. And he doesn't look like he'd be a lot of fun, but <laughs> he is, have you been totally, no, have you been totally surprised how awesome and funny he has been on television? No, you know what? Not really, because obviously I know him well, and I think the people who know him well, one of the things they really appreciate about him is his sense of humor. I'm telling you, for years, my wife and I have wanted he and his wife to, you know, do something like you and Ernie are doing and just do a comedy broadcast, because when you're together with them, you it's like stand-up. You just sit there and laugh the entire time, but you know, when you're coaching, it gets pretty intense. And, you know, look, I, I could say the same for you. If I watched you play, just watched you play, yeah. I would have never thought you were a funny guy. I mean, you were always pissed off at the referees and you're competing <laughs> against and you're competing against other people. But the people who knew you knew you always had this sense of humor. It's the same with my brother. And I'm actually glad that people have gotten to see the other side of him because, you know, that's just him. That's how he is. You know, uh, Coach, Chuck will not get on Twitter. Who convinced you to get on Twitter, and how has, how would you uh, rate that experience? Well, I got on Twitter for, for really only one reason, and that is I thought it was necessary to really get involved into things leading up to the 2020 election. So I was actually, I've supported a lot of candidates, my wife and I were on a phone call with a uh, candidate for state attorney here in Orlando. Um, we were on with her advisors and her campaign staff, and they're talking about strategy. And everybody was talking about social media. And I'm not, I wasn't on it. And I asked my wife, should I get on social media, you know, to try to promote some of these candidates and some of these issues? And see, she said, yes. So that's how it all started for me. And the experience for me has been fine because the one thing I was told early on and I've stuck to, I don't read any comments. So people can say what they want in response to what I said. I'll never know. So I'm not getting in a Twitter war with anybody or doing any of that. I'm going to promote the things that I think are important. And, and that's it. What would you say to Chuck to <laughs> recommend that he try social media? at least on a trial basis, because I've told him forever. I said, look, you got a message to put out. It's not like you have to tweet back and forth with somebody and tell them you had a tuna melt and blah, blah, blah. I said, the things that are important to you, you can put out there and you might be amazed at how many folks you impact. Well, there's no question. But, but see, when I say that, he just says, no, get away. I mean, look, with Chuck's following and you know the number of people who really know who he is, I mean, Charles, you'd be a guy within a week would have a million followers. Oh, he'd be a rock star. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think to me, the ones at least that I enjoy reading on there are the people that do what you do, which is be able to combine your knowledge of the issues with a great sense of humor. I mean, to me, those are the ones that people tune into because things can get too serious at times. And you've got to add some levity. You, you'd be great on it. But I understand why somebody wouldn't want to be on it. Hell, I, 
I waited till I was 60 years old before uh, <laughs> before I went on. And it was just because I think this election is so important um, that if I could even impact 20 people, I wanted to do it. So, uh, you know, we're talking about this voting and obviously everybody talk about the presidential, but you said something earlier. How long have you been involved in local politics? Because I, I think that most people never get involved in local politics. They only vote for president or governor, but they never get in local uh, politics. What made you uh, start off doing that? Well, I've always done it as a voter. So I'm I'm that political nerd who, you know, when the election's coming, I'm going to sit down and do my research on every candidate on the ballot from school board to county commissioner to, you know, water and soil board, the whole thing. I'm going to know all of that. Um, I think what changed for me in terms of getting involved, Chuck, was was simple money. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have any. So I just did my research and voted. But as I got into head coaching jobs and had some money and influence, I've tried to get involved. After I got fired in Orlando in 2012, people in the county in Florida where I live came to me and said, hey, would you be involved in helping us pass a bond issue, a tax increase, property tax increase for the schools in Seminole. I had kids in school at the time. I said, yeah, I ended up being the face of the campaign there. I was out. It was good. It gave me something to do after being fired. But I was out all over Central Florida talking to people about why we needed to raise their property taxes and things like that. Um, And that sort of got me into this. I never want to run Um, But trying to find good people to support because really we're impacted more by people. Our daily lives are impacted more by people elected to those local offices than they are by people in Washington. And so while I get involved, you know, in supporting campaigns at the national level, I I don't neglect um, the local races. Stan, this is something that um, I hope it's okay that we go there. Because recently, you and Jamel Hill had a little back and forth on social media. Um, Charles, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I think your input would be very valuable right here. That if you had your, if you had your choice, Chuckster, chocolate chip cookies or brownies? It, are they pot brownies or regular brownies? Uh, regular brown. <laughs> you are such a... Um, I, I might have to go with the brownies, Ernie. There you go, Stan. Victory. Yeah, I might have to go with the brownies. Gee, thank you. Thank you, Charles. But but here's the thing, Ernie. Like, Jamel and I agree on most things, but it wasn't even, you know, her favoring chocolate chip cookies I could have gone with, but I really thought the way she wrote it was disrespectful to brownies. Now, if you say they're both great, but I prefer chocolate chip cookies, okay, I'll buy that. But she just made it like it was clear cut, like brownies didn't belong on the same table with the chocolate. I couldn't accept that. Now, Jamel was stronger in her opinion because she tweeted back at me that this was a hill she was willing to die on. (laughs) and I certainly wasn't that strong about it one way or another so I give her the victory hey Ernie you know in fairness to me uh in in fairness to you yeah no I'm saying I only eat two types of cookies 
white white macadamia nuts and oatmeal raisins. I'm not a big chocolate chip fan, but oatmeal raisin and white macadamia nuts, I'm willing to die on the hill for those white macadamia nut cookies. Yeah. I am. I, that's a hill I'm willing to die on for those cookies. How about the how about I think the underrated butterscotch brownie? No. No, come on, Ernie. What? No, come on. No, Ernie, you got No, no, that's not Ernie. That's not a even thing, I don't think. Oh, it, it is. Ernie, we're talking MVP candidates and you're talking a a dessert <laughs> that's trying to get into somebody's rotation. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 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 let me tell you something. I actually, I don't think I've ever had that, Ernie. A butterscotch brownie? There are a couple of places uh, around Major League Baseball where that's like a uh, in the press in the press lounge. Somebody yeah. will crack those out, and they're they're really good. Um, what's your go to? What's your go to candy bar? Oh, Reese's and Snickers. I'm a big Reese's guy. I was going to say my two are are Reese's and Nestle's Crunch for me. That's my two. See. And that's fine. And I'm, you know, I'm, I used to be a three musketeers guy and then, but I'm really more, if it, if it came down to one candy bar I could have, it'd be a Heath bar. Oh, that's a, not a bad call. That's not a bad call, but Ernie, there's nothing better than a cold Reese's. I'm not going to lie. You put in the fridge for a few minutes. You can't go wrong with a cold Reese's. No, you can't. But Heath bars are very versatile too. You can, you can like have a bowl of vanilla ice cream. And get out a something and and mash up a a nice Heath bar, and pour that on top of that bad boy. It's not bad. Not bad. No, that's a good call. That's a much better call than the butterscotch brownie. Much yeah. Better. Okay. I, I I feel really bad about even bringing up butterscotch brownie. It's my yeah. that's my bad. Hey hey, coach. The most fun you ever had coaching. Where was it? Uh, most fun I ever had coaching. Not even close. I was 24 years old. I got the head coaching job at a small NAIA school in Vermont, Castleton State College. Number one, I inherited great players, and so we won all the time. That makes anything more fun. But I'm still in touch with all of those guys that I coached from, you know, 35, 37 years ago. I was just blessed with a great group of people who could put up with all the mistakes of a uh, 24-year-old head coach and they brought me to success. I mean, there was so much fun. I, one of the things I, I really am in awe of are these guys that get their first head coaching job either at the major college level or in the NBA. I mean, I got to make all of my big, big, big mistakes when nobody was watching, you know, and, and you can learn from them. I, I don't know how these guys do it. I All the respect in the world forum but yeah castleton state college i loved it now i would if i had stayed there i couldn't have gotten married and had a family because they didn't actually pay me very much but um but i enjoyed the coaching immensely isn't that one of the great things about that profession though stan is that like i still talk to the guy who coached my little league team when i was 10 years old and he lives in north carolina roger thompson and he remembers things from that long ago. And he's and, and I'm not the only one who calls him from time to time. But I think that would have to be one of those fringe benefits of coaching where you impact a life to the point where long after you're coaching and long after those those days are through, there's still that relationship. 
Yeah, there's no question. But I would also say this, and, and I don't think, I think we all know this to some degree, but it doesn't get said enough. Um, I'd like to think um, that I maybe impacted some of those guys' lives, but not nearly as much as they impacted mine. Um, and, and I've said that all along. Like, I've learned from a lot of coaches over the years and in my time in the NBA, but I've never learned as much from other coaches as I have from players. Like I, my first job in the NBA, I come in and I'm an assistant with Pat Riley and I learned a lot from him, but I'll tell you what, I learned a lot from Tim Hardaway, you know, when we brought him in on a trade and talking to Tim and what he was looking for on pick and rolls and things like that. I think when fans look at our game, the part they miss is how smart these guys are. Like they see, they get carried away with the physical ability and the skills and all of that. And I don't think they realize how smart these guys are. And I learned so much from guys like Tim Hardaway and Dan Marley and the guys who have to go out and compete every night. And what they could tell me about what they did allowed me then to go on and teach it to other people throughout my career. And so I've been impacted both in terms of basketball and my life and my social activism and everything else by the people that I've coached far more than I have done for any of them. Ernie, let me pick it back on that. That's the only thing I miss uh, between the coaches. Like, I still talk to Billy Cunningham all the time. He's like my financial mentor. Uh, I talked to Rudy Tomjanovic. Shout out to him going in the Hall of Fame this year. Jimmy Lynham. You know, Ernie, the relationships when you play pro sports, there's nothing like it. I, I, I miss being around the guys, you know, because when, when guys retire, that you, you don't do it anymore. Like when you're on a bus trip, like in Philly, we bus to New York, New Jersey, and D.C. Those two and a half hours on the bus going back and forth, riding the planes, like, man, ain't nothing like it. The people, and, and I'm still great friends with some guys I played in high school and college with. Rick Mahorn, Mike Jeminski, Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson. Man, it's not uh, Elliot Perry. Uh, Coach is 100% right, man. Ain't nothing like it, Ernie. It's the greatest thing in the world. Hey, Stan, welcome to the family. It's great to have you with the Turner crew. Thanks for all the work you're doing down there in Orlando in the bubble. And it's been awesome talking to you. We appreciate it. And keep up the great work. It's, uh, it's great watching you and Bird work together. And, you know, you're... You're, you're back in your element. It's good to have basketball back. Good to have you calling games with us. Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks for having me today. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Coach. Be safe. All right, Charles, you too. Back here on the steam room, the legendary uh, longtime producer of Inside the NBA, Tim Kiley, looking like... Uh, an aging Rowdy Gaines. Rowdy Gaines, what a great name from Chuck Press. You got the Speedo hatch, you got the goggles. What is, uh, there must be something behind this. Ernie, it's a theme. Chuck, I know how much you love the beach and water and all that sort of stuff and how often you go in the water, which is never. But do you know what week it is this week? Shark week. Yes. Do you watch? No. But I will admit this, <laughs> the commercials with Mike Tyson are awesome. 
I've seen like three or four of them, and they are awesome. Shaq did it one year, didn't he? He already did it. He's doing it again. You know, he always talks about swimming with sharks. I'm not going to lie, and I'm not an evil person. I would love to see his fat ass get eaten by a shark. Now, we, <laughs> we'd cry on TV, but it would be hilarious. We'd all cry <laughs> that he got ate by a shark. But probably, y'all know we'd be laughing behind closed doors. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You mean, you mean the guy who wants us to set him oh. on fire? Yeah, I know. He wants to be set on fire. But you know what? That would be such a shack thing to do, to get eaten by a shark. No question. No question. And Ernie, we got to end it with a sweet note. Lakers Jazz on Monday. Mike Breen took 30 seconds to say this. You know, I want to wish a very special happy birthday to a member of our NBA family. Michael Johnson turns 32 years old today. Happy birthday, Michael. Michael is the amazing son of our TNT brother, Ernie Johnson. Now, many of you have seen the story. Ernie and his wonderful wife, Cheryl, adopted Michael back in 1991 from Romania. Michael has muscular dystrophy and has had his certain share of medical and physical problems. But today, he turns 32 years old. And uh, as Ernie will tell you, he's been God's gift of a lifetime to the beautiful Johnson family. So happy birthday, Michael. Wow. Wow. Uh, I, you know what? I, I was How not I was not aware that 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 he had uh, that he had said that, man. Mike Breen. Hey, Mike Breen's the best guy. But let me tell you something. Man. That went. Uh, I love Mike Breen, but that went above and beyond. That was pretty yeah. special, man. No, that's so cool. And this was a, a huge week in our house to uh, to celebrate 32 with with Michael. And um, again, that just talks to the character of a guy like of Mike Breen to take that time in the middle of an NBA game to, to say I, that. So I, mean, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I I love me some Mike Breen. I I wish I could work with somebody that got talent like that. I'm not. <laughs> I wish you could too. Chuck, speaking of talent, I have a challenge for you. Okay. Guess whose birthday is August 7th? Patrick Ewing? <laughs> the, the man sitting next to you. So can you sing happy birthday to Ernie to end this segment? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Ernie Johnson. Happy birthday to you. So wait, TK, is today his birthday? The 7th. The 7th. You know, because I was watching TV this morning, and today is Patrick Ewing's birthday. So I want to give a shout-out to one of the best players ever, but one of the best dudes ever. Happy 58th to Patrick Ewing. Ernie, your ears okay? My ears are actually bleeding. Hey, you know they, you know I'm the, I'm the karaoke king. Oh. They call me the Black Frank Sinatra. Oh, it's that horrible. That was really nice, Chuck, and it was right from the heart. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I got to go meet Rowdy Gaines and see if I can swim with some sharks, Ernie. So uh, man, we'll I'm see telling you guys you. next week. Those goggles are putting a squeeze Ooh. on that mug of yours, man. That's for <laughs> sure. No question. Thanks, TK. The legendary producer of Inside the NBA. Legendary. You know what else we have to do on this show, Chuckster? One of the most popular segments of, of this podcast, Chuckster, is, is the old school Charles answering machine where you never know where the calls are going to come from. 
But we know that a lot of folks have committed this number to memory, 404-987-0330. And if you leave us a nice message, we may just put it on the podcast, like call number one. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Ernie and Chuck, it's your Australian correspondent and loyal steamer staff checking in from Sydney. On last week's episode, TK made the call out to your loyal steamers down under in his best attempt at an Australian accent. It made me think, Chuck, Ernie, what would your Australian accent sound like? One quick tip, at the end of a word, drop the ER and make it an A. So TK was right. It's not a steamer, it's a steamer. Take care, guys, and stay safe. Stav. He might be our number one guy, so I got a lot of love for Stav. Yeah. You know, Ernie, when I leave here, I'm going to go put a shrimp on the bobby uh, and... Uh. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, good on you. Good on you, mate. Good, good on you. Yeah. Good on hey, you, yo, mate. Yo, mate. Yo, mate. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. That's all. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, they do. That's their. That's the chant. Like when we were over in Brisbane for uh, for the uh, Goodwill Games, was, you hear Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Well, I heard the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. I haven't heard the oi, oi, oi thing. That's kind of the yeah, you. That's kind of the response to that. So there you go. So that, I think that's probably the best we can do. The good thing is we don't have Shaq here to insult <laughs> Joe Ingles. <laughs> and he always reverses it anyway. Put it on the bob on that shrimp. <laughs> Thank you, Stav, for, for listening and watching. We appreciate that. Call number two. Charles and company. Hey, I've been listening for two decades. I might be the longest listener of the Seam room. And it's great that the seam room that you guys are hemming pants and shirts and things like that. But I'm not calling about the seaming stuff that you're doing. I'm calling to ask about refereeing. Charles, I know that you never, ever fouled anybody, but how in this pandemic should players argue with a referee's call? Love you guys. Appreciate all that you're doing, uh, both you and uh, Eddie and Kenny and Shaq and everybody else. Wonderful job. Appreciate it. Bye bye. So I, 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 I think that he mean he'd been watching the show for that long, not the yeah. steam room. And I think he meant Ernie, not Eddie. So I, <laughs> let's hear. Charles and company. <laughs> company. Appreciate all that you're doing, uh, both you and uh, Eddie and <laughs> Kenny and Shaq and everybody else. And I think he's a little confused as to what a steam room is. Because I think he, th- he thinks we're at the dry cleaners. Steam. Well, well, listen, Eddie. <laughs> no, or you can call me and company. Hey, Charles and company. Hey, right. hey, listen, man. That made my day, Eddie. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not to belittle that call, but let's move on to call number three. Hi, this is Patty from Missouri. After watching all the news on the pandemic and going into forced retirement, I ended up into a, kind of a funk for about three weeks until I told myself to get my ass out of bed and get it moving. So now I'm walking. Then I started listening to podcasts, and I found Steam Room, and I loved it. Became a steamer. It's a great thing to listen to as I walk along. I'm with Charles with social media. I don't do any of it. Don't have a question, but just wanted to say I've really enjoyed listening to you. You make my day. Bye. 
had it from Missouri, number one, I'm not just saying this. You made our day because that's when we started this thing, I had no idea what it was. And I have enjoyed every moment of it. I've enjoyed our guests. And we just want to be two fools who, for an hour a week, have some fun and interview amazing people. You know, and the one thing that I've had people come to me, they says, I love the fact that you guys don't talk about sports. I mean, and, and to me, that's what we wanted to do. We talked enough about sports in our everyday life. I love the fact that we've had some amazing guests. And Patty, I really appreciate you taking the time to reach out. And when you're taking your walk, turn on the steam room. We're going to make sure it's fun for you. I promise you that always. That's it's well said there, Chuckster and Patty. That it does. It just means the world that uh, that we would uh, be able, uh, in our own way, uh, just to kind of make make things uh, a little better. And I think that's the way we approach our inside the NBA show too. That you know maybe it's an escape for two or three hours for you to watch hoop and and uh, and let us you know talk hoop and make you laugh. It's good. Laughing is a great thing. And uh, yes. especially nowadays. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, and I never want to forget all the people out there who have lost loved ones because of this, 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 this COVID. My thoughts are with you. But also all the people who have lost their jobs. I, I, I wish nothing but the best for you. But uh, I know it's a, uh, it's a tough situation for a lot of people. I really want to thank the first responders and all the nurses again because this thing is, we, there's no end in sight. Uh, this thing going to keep going for a long time. And everybody, please, don't be stupid. Wear a mask, wash your hands, and quit gathering like damn idiots. I mean, some of these parties I'm seeing, man, this thing is real. And it and like a guy said, the Sanjay group is somebody who I really admire and respect. He said, a mask ain't for you, it's for other people. It's uh, it's exactly right, and it's uh, it's mind-boggling, Chuckster, uh, for me, just on a daily basis. When you go into some places, or you may have to run into the grocery store, and even though there's a sign that says "Put on your mask," then you're standing in line, and the guy behind you does not have a mask on, and it's like, what what part of it do you not get? You see these fools on TV talking about this is America. Yeah. They shouldn't be able to tell us what to. I'm like. Yo, man, put the mask on. Stop being selfish. I mean, that's it don't take that much. Anybody walking around without a mask, it, well, let me say this. I'll take my mask off if I'm just walking around, but I'm not going in any public place without a mask. I'm with you. Hey, Patty from Missouri, thanks for uh, wrapping up our show the way you just did, and uh, thanks for becoming a, uh, a loyal steamer, and we hope that we can... Uh, keep on making your day uh, just by sitting around talking. So uh, that's it for this uh, episode of The Steam Room. For Charles Barkley, this is Eddie, apparently. (laughs) We'll see you next time.